Julia Gerlach, Executive Editor of No-Till Farmer. Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast series brought to you today by the Andersons. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, which is available on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Andersons for sponsoring today's episode. Take back your nutrients with BioReverse from the Andersons. Stock degradation is an essential part of no-till field management. BioReverse is a robust microbial package designed to significantly reduce residue stubble prior to the next cropping season. The application of BioReverse following harvest released 10 times more nutrients than fields left untreated. With a two-year shelf life and easy handling, BioReverse is ideal for every operation. Visit andersonsplantnutrient.com forward slash BioReverse for more information. Carbon market programs are a hot topic amongst farmers today as they represent a potential new revenue stream for growers who implement conservation practices such as no-till, strip-till, and cover crops. But every program is a little different in how they approach qualifying acres, establishing baseline measurements, practice verification, farmer compensation, and more. For this No-Till Farmer podcast, we caught up with representatives from three companies who were talking with farmers about their carbon programs at the 2021 Farm Progress Show. We spoke with Ben Gordon, Carbon and Ecosystems Global Portfolio Leader with Corteva, Lisa Streck, Grower Carbon Lead with Bayer Carbon, and Christian Barkan, Sustainability Officer with Bravo Carbon Bank. Listen in to hear about how these three companies are navigating the complexities of the carbon offsets market and bringing this new offering to U.S. farmers. First, we'll hear from Ben Gordon with Corteva AgriScience. So uh, Ben Gordon, I'm the Carbon and Ecosystem Service Portfolio Leader, so I lead our carbon program. Our program connects farmers who are adopting uh, new regenerative ag practices, so strip-till, no-till, adding cover crops, or increasing their nitrogen use efficiency. We connect them with buyers who want to reward them for their, uh, you know, essentially their stewardship outcomes. When we really think about it, even before we talk about carbon, I think it's really important to talk about agronomy. Um, So we need to make sure these practices make sense for a given operation, agronomically and financially. Um, If that does, we then will probably ask about that two or three more times and make sure that's right. Then we talk about carbon programs. And so ours is, uh, you know, our program is really focused on three things. It's confidence, flexibility, and simplicity. And so we provide farmers a really clear, easy contract to understand, hey, this is a net new revenue stream. We guarantee $15 a ton. We pay on outcomes. But we tell farmers, hey, and it's in our contract, 75% of that buyer credit value is going to go to you now and in the future. So clearly structure that. Second piece is the the simplicity. We have a great, you know, we're in a great position being Corteva. We have great big field teams through Pioneer and our Corteva Ag Retailers. We have a dedicated digital team that helps administer these programs. We want there to be that full support. And we've tried to make our program as simple as possible. And then finally, it's flexibility. And so because we pay on outcomes, that enables agronomic flexibility. So, you know, at the end of the day, a farmer might say they're gonna, they're gonna switch to a, a no-till practice, but maybe they need to till just, you know, the approach area that they rutted up a little bit when they're getting in the field. That's just fine. You're not going to get paid on carbon on that small part of the field. Um, but, you know, we, we want to make sure you're farming for yield and your right profitability, not just our program. Um, and then we have an opt-out. Uh, it's a five-year contract, but you can opt out every single year. Tell me what are the steps for farmers or growers to get involved in your program? 
Yep, so uh, to, to understand, they can go to their Pioneer rep or their Corteva retailer or corteva.com backslash carbon. Um, it'll give you the overview of what I described on, on the program itself. Um, but essentially what happens is, uh, you know, you sign into a, you sign in the, the web form that confirms your eligibility. You're going to get a call from one of our digital business managers. They're going to help walk you through and understand how many of your acres are eligible for the program. And again, we require that net new practice since harvest of 2020. Um, confirm the eligibility, make sure it's the right agronomic decision, make sure this is the right program for you, um, then sign the contract. At that point, we're going to establish our, the, the baseline. So we're going to do soil sampling, no cost to the farmer, and then get your, your historical data. Um, it can range from three to five years of data. It's going to be something like your as-planted, your harvest data, just what have you been doing cover crop tillage-wise, nitrogen management. That's your baseline. After you go through, complete the practice, complete that year, you can give us the same data for update it for the year. That generates the carbon credit. We will generally verify using remote sensing. Um, we work with two other uh, partners, the Ecosystem Service Market Consortium and Indigo Ag, to be our measurement verification reporting partners. And then at that point, once they've gone through the measurement quantification, you know the quantity, we've already promised you the price, then you get your check. And uh, is there a minimum acreage that farmers have nope. to enroll? No. No, I mean, the way, the way that we think about it, uh, I'll beat a dead horse, it's uh, you know, agronomy, 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 and uh, farmers don't usually make these choices kind of whole hog. They're gonna try part of a field or a field, and they're gonna try a couple of fields and then part of a rotation. I mean, we wanna make sure our program supports that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and are, so these are verified carbon credits then? Yeah, so we uh, verified uh, through our Indigo program there, Carbon Action Reserve verified credits, you know, through through Indigo on our ESMC program. It goes up through the gold standard sustain cert. Um, we believe that independent third-party verification is really important to generate a premium asset that folks will not only pay for today, but also in the future. And um, I think we, we as Corteva, um, understand that uh, you know, our role is to be on the same side of the table as a farmer and help enable a farmer. We maybe shouldn't do everything here because as an input company, like we might not be best positioned to avoid incentive conflict. So we just want to lean into it. And in terms of the payment, you were saying 75% is paid up front? Uh, is paid to the farmer. It's so to the farmer, yeah, so if a buyer, you know, uh, buy, sells at $40 a ton, they, the farmer will get $30 a ton. And so when you think about how these markets could play out over the next five, three, you know, however many years, yeah. there's expectations of rising prices. And we thought it was really important to make it very clear and explicit mm -hmm. of how farmers will be able to capture the increase in price, mm -hmm. where a lot of other programs we've seen on the market have no guarantees in the contract. You're kind of trusting somebody who's your counterparty in this to bring you along for the ride. And while we hope that we've built a lot of that trust, um, we kind of believe in that trust but verify attitude and just be transparent and explicit. So the other 25% goes to Corteva? Corteva and our other partners to cover costs. So it could be Indigo, it could be ESMC, um, you know, just the cost of measurement and verification and whatnot. After this uh, credit is sold? Correct. Yeah, and so this is the kind of credit that actually gets serial number? Exactly, and it's and it's not just us saying it goes to a registry. It's listed um, because that's what buyers are, are willing to pay for. And so, just talk about the implementing new practices, the additionality for a little bit more. Yeah. So, I mean, at its core, these are ba the the eligibility for our program is based on climate accounting rules. So we kind of have to follow where the money is because net new money equals net new practice, and that's just the way the buyers have, have addressed it. Um, obviously, for your your audience, I mean, that's that's tough. And I'm from North Dakota originally. I get family that have been no tilling for a long time. Um, I think, you know, for early adopters, you know, these programs aren't necessarily, you know, capturing the value that those farmers have today, um, which we know is a growth area, and I think the whole industry is working on it right now. But it's just really important that, you know, for us, we need to make sure there's that science-backed, independent, third-party verified credit, and those rules dictate that you need that new adoption. So we're able to go essentially do about a one-year look back. So for us, after harvest of 2020, if you've changed any of those practices I mentioned, the, the nitrogen management, the tillage, 
the cover cropping, you'll be eligible. Why is Corteva getting into, into this uh, carbon credits marketplace? I mean, I think at its simplest, um, you know, our, our farmers, you know, the, the ability to, to bring them a net new revenue stream is pretty exciting. Um, I might just be lazy and like selling a check to me sounds a lot more appealing to, you know, going to friends, family and, and farmers that you know um, out there. Um, so number one, just value to the farmers. Um, two, I think it's, it really meets our purpose and our mission. Um, you know, our, our purpose is you know, to enrich the lives of those who produce and consume for generations to come. And you know, that, if you think about this, um, increasing resiliency for our farmers, it's just kind of the right thing to do. And there aren't many companies that have Corteva's science and our routes to market and our agronomic expertise and you know, the, the whole pioneer history and you know, the ability for us to do something at scale now that we think that these markets are ready for prime time. Um, it's just a really compelling, exciting opportunity to go build a business that'll really, really open up new revenue streams for farmers. And um, the fact that we have a lot of enabling technology and a lot of great customers who are pushing us kind of makes it a bit of a no-brainer. So what do you mean by the enabling technology? So, I mean, our herbicide portfolio, you think about Enlist and, you know, having three post-emergence options, um, moving to a no-till or a strip-till system, especially when you have smaller windows in certain geographies, that can be a really powerful option, especially to have those three modes of action. Um, you look at things like uh, nitrogen stabilizers to help increase your nitrogen use efficiency, biologicals, similar thing. Um, I think we're really lucky where we have technology on the input side and then also on the digital side too to really make the data capture seamless and when you enter data I don't want you just to be entering data for carbon like that's just I mean that's just quantification and paper pushing I want you to be able to use it for economic analysis like did you make money on this hybrid did you make money on this field did you make money overall like what hybrids perform the best what should I change agronomically you have to we just want to stack as much value into this as possible because it can be a lot of work for folks that don't normally do this. We need to make sure there's kind of not just the financial benefit, but the kind of the knowledge benefit that comes along with it. And so do they have to be Corteva customers already? Um, no, they don't have to already. We don't tie it to any of the inputs at all. Um, it's kind of church and state on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think really for us, it's, you know, if, we, if we're there delivering a check to a farmer, um, generally farmers appreciate folks that provide value for them, and that'll help the rest of our business. Yeah. And so you said you do soil testing right at the beginning, and then yep. you're using sensing technology after the fact. Do you yep. do any follow-up soil testing? Yeah, every, uh, every five years. Every five years. Yep. And that's just to test at a project level, like, what's happened. Because, you, know, you know, soil carbon sequestration, it takes time. Especially if you're in a drier climate where a lot of the, you know, the reduced tillage practices started out, um, it can take even longer. Actually, do that test again down the road. What if they go backwards? Yes, we don't have, we, there's no clawbacks in our program. Um, and really, if you look at the way that, that the modeling exists, it's pretty darn conservative to start. And if we look at, we really look at the, as these pro programs scale, the measurement actually becomes easier because all the little uncertainties that are measured on a field by field level start to wash each other out, which means that as more people adopt, we'll have less uncertainty. As you have less uncertainty, you can generate more credits, generate more credits, more dollars, more dollars, more people adopt, and you have this beautiful virtuous cycle, not to mention the fact that you know the real innovation here is the folks that are changing the practices, right? Um, and you know, as you have more folks around that have been doing this, and you can go talk to a neighbor, you can go talk to a mentor, and they have familiarity with these practices, we'll only see adoption increase. And then I guess the final question, uh, you know, it's a five-year contract, you said. Yep. Some, you know, things happen sometimes. Annual opt-outs. So you have the agronomic flexibility of paying for outcomes and being able to change practices. So you might not get paid, but you can stay in the program and you get paid next year. And you also can have that annual opt-out. So for us, it's, you know, really our whole philosophy is, there's a real opportunity here. Yeah. Take advantage of it because you might not be eligible if you wait, which is a really important point that people often miss because those eligibility requirements. Yeah. But 
I don't want to artificially lock you in. I want to have to re-earn the business. I want to be on the same side of the table. So take advantage of the opportunity, make sure you have aligned incentives, and then make sure you have the flexibility just in case things go south. We're pretty darn confident it's not going to with us, but trust but verify. All right, good. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I'd just say uh, you know the agronomy, agronomy, agronomy piece. Um, I usually say that more than once in an interview because it's so important, and uh, I think there's been a lot of hype around carbon, um, and the opportunity justifies it, but uh, in the right context for the right farm for the right operation. Next up is Lisa Streck with Bayer Carbon. So do you mind just giving us a little overview of the carbon program at Bayer? I think it's a little different than some of the other ones. This is the second year of our program and our program is where we will incent farmers for adopting climate smart practices on their farm, such as no-till, strip-till, and cover crops. Okay, and which states is it available in? Um, so we've got a 17-state geography, um, so we've got great coverage over the core Midwest, and uh, this year we recently expanded to some southern states and eastern states as well. And so what are the steps involved for growers to get involved? Yeah, so for growers to um, participate in our program, we really built our program around three key things that we knew would be important to farmers. Certainty, simplicity, and flexibility. So uh, by using our digital capabilities with climate field view, farmers would simply um, select the fields they want to participate in the program and then what practices they want to adopt on those fields. Farmers obviously then have to use climate field view. Is it, uh, you know, for people who haven't used it before, they can go ahead and sign up and get involved in the program? Yep, exactly. Um, definitely encourage farmers to go out to our website at BayerCarbon.com to learn more about our program. We've got a great FAQ document out there and then farmers can besides signing up? I mean, there's going to be some sort of verification of practices or yep. soil testing or something? Our program is unique in that we pay farmers um, based on the practices that they adopt. So we'll use satellite imagery and then some data from farmers to uh, verify and validate that those practices were implemented. And then farmers would receive that payment um, every year after verification and validation. Okay, so what are the payments that farmers would expect? Um, so um, we'll pay $3 on a no-till, strip-till acre, $6 on a cover crop acre, and then $9 on an acre if they implement both practices. And do they have to be brand new practices for that field? They don't. So another benefit of Bayer's program is if they have implemented these practices since 2012, they're eligible to enroll in our program and may even be eligible for some historical payments up to five years. So if they've been in it since 2012, they could get credits back to like 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Uh -huh. So up to nine dollar per acre. Are, yep. Okay. Um, for each of those years. For each of those years. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And then, like, what about the future? Are you going to be including new practices as well? Yeah. So we will continue to expand our program and potentially add new practices, um, new eligible crops, and the new eligible geography. And then, are you selling these credits on the marketplace, or is this strictly sort of an in-house program? Um, so we've got the opportunity that we could do both of those um, with the credits, where we could use them internally as Bayer or make those carbon credits available to sell to other companies who may be looking for Okay, so are these considered sort of verified carbon credits then? Exactly. Okay. Can farmers sign up for your pro program as well as other programs, or is it exclusive? Um, so it depends on what the other program is. 
so um, you know our program is uh, creating an asset for a greenhouse gas reduction so it would only be one greenhouse gas reduction program per field however um, you know other programs could potentially be stacked on it depending on the eligibility of those other programs can you give an example um, for example they may be eligible to um, stack an equip program on top of it or um, if there's certain local programs um, that usda or nrcs may have offering in a specific area so can you just talk a little bit about why there is doing this, this program yes you know we've got a huge commitment to sustainability um, as part of bayer crop science and we really believe in the role that agriculture can play within sustainability um, the potential to reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere but by adopting these practices and given um, you know our footprint our digital capabilities our history of science and technology um, we believe we have a responsibility to really lead in this space and connect farmers with future opportunities is there a minimum acreage that people have to get signed yeah with? farmers can enroll as few as 10 acres in the program um, or they could roll their entire farm in the program. So that kind of speaks back to that flexibility within our program that um, farmers can roll as little as 10 acres in the program or they could enroll their entire farm. Okay, and are there any other like product-oriented practices or anything that qualify for the program or anything? Uh, like not today. Okay. Um, like I said, it's no-till, strip-till, and cover crop, but we are looking at the opportunity of adding additional practices in the future. Is there anything else that you would like to share about the program? Um, no, we would just encourage farmers to go out to our website at BayerCarbon.com and learn more about the program. We'll get back to our guests in a moment, but I want to take time once again to thank our sponsor, the Andersons, for supporting today's episode. Take back your nutrients with BioReverse from the Andersons. Stock degradation is an essential part of no-till field management. BioReverse is a robust microbial package designed to significantly reduce residue stubble prior to the next cropping season. The application of BioReverse following harvest released 10 times more nutrients than fields left untreated. With a two-year shelf life and easy handling, BioReverse is ideal for every operation. Visit andersonsplantnutrient.com forward slash BioReverse for more information. Now let's hear from Christian Barkhan with Robo AgriFinance's Robo Carbon Bank. My name is Christian Barkhan. I uh, am the sustainability officer of Robo AgriFinance. Um, Robo AgriFinance is a, a division of part of Robo Bank. We're one of the leading lenders of uh, agribusinesses and agrofinancing in uh, in the United States and. Rabobank is the leading entity that does food and ag financing in the world. So we're focused on helping our clients continue to be successful through uh, obviously practices they've done today, but as well as innovation. We see ourselves as the uh, leading uh, lender in sustainable financing and for sustainable agriculture operations, primarily because uh, it's a new space and because it, it, it provides us with an opportunity to partner with the clients on, a, on something that is needed, that maybe, maybe a, lot of, a lot of farmers don't really understand, that will actually ensure that they're gonna be successful in the future as well. So the carbon banking program that we have 
is a part of that sustainability model. Before we get to the carbon markets, how does a regenerative operation need different kind of financing model? Well, I mean, we're financing our clients with, you know, traditional financing. But what we're trying to offer in addition to that is things that would provide them with either tailor financing or services that would address certain sustainability hotspots that are meaningful for their operation okay. or for their market segment. So, for example, sustainability is a continuous improvement journey, right? It never ends. Right. It has to have a starting point. So the first thing that that we work with our clients on is to figure out where that starting point is. What is the baseline? What are you doing today? You know. Then we look at what are some of the out of the 40, 50 indicators in sustainability. There are about 12 that we have identified that are meaningful for agriculture. Things like um, air emissions and and greenhouse gas emissions, okay. water, you know, usage and water quality, land management biodiversity, so these would be more on the environmental side. The sustainability is also social and economic, so you have, you know, employee safety and employee management plans and so on, community involvement. On the environment, on the uh, economic side, you have things like how would uh, inflation impact you, succession plans, you know, a whole bunch of uh, dynamics there as well. So those are some of the 12. It, what we were trying to do is try to create service packages or, or, or financing packages, solutions, where the clients can act on each one of those, should they choose to do so, if that's important for their operations, and, and be able to uh, to move the needle on sustainability with that. So, so basically advance that continuous improvement with the goal of doing more with less, because we're going to need to double the amount of food that they produce. So at the end of the day, that's what we're measuring. We're, we're measuring the progress that we can make with our clients together on, you know, creating more or less. Tell us about the carbon program then and how that fits in. So, uh, carbon program addresses in particular land management uh, as, a, as a sustainability impact category and air emissions, obviously. And the reason why it's the two is because carbon is a, a critical element for soil health and nutritional health. The more if you take carbon from there and put it in the ground, that's going to break down the soil into certain and allow the soil to actually produce certain food for certain bacteria to come in. That's going to create another biodiversity balance in the soil that's at the end of the day going to enrich the soil and make it better for agriculture. So, so we see it as a balance between, right, at the end of the day we want to increase the power of the soil because that's going to help with better yield. And, and, and less input, so optimization. But at the same time, we're doing it, we're taking carbon from here, that's put in the ground. That's done with regenerative agricultural practices. I know a lot of people think of it as basically just, you know, cover crops and, and, and no-till or strip-till or, you know, reduced tillage. It's a lot more complex than that. You can, there's uh, precision agriculture that's involved, there's measurements that, that you look at different comp components of the of the quality of the soil that would impact how that carbon sequestration happened in, in various ways that have to do maybe with fertilizer, right? So dependency on certain fertilizer versus another, maybe a, a progression towards more natural organic fertilizer is part of it as well. The certain amount and the certain type of uh, crop rotation depending on the region 
And there are areas where we have farmers rotating between four and five crops, you know, before they end up with the same thing. It's also important as well. And we think there is no one size fits all. So, so you have to have the right person that really cares or, or assesses your operation to give you an idea of a script that you can follow, you know, to take it to the next level. So our our carbon bank does exactly that. We we partner with Mitchell Aura with uh, Continuum Ag for providing a baseline measurement and a, a agronomic advice to our clients. So he's been with us in this first stage of the pilot, and conti we'll continue to partner with them in the in the future to pro uh, provide the same value and expertise to our clients. We are covering, you know, the costs for for measurements and for the uh, the agronomic advice, and then uh, you know we estimate based on what we agree with the clients to do, what they agree to do from from that agronomic advice in terms of practices how much carbon we're, we're going to capture and then you know we we give them 50 percent upfront and then every year we take measurements and and adjust that number at the end of the three-year period they will get get a payment of how much the actual carbon carbon was uh, was captured what are the steps involved when a farmer comes to you and says they want to sign up for this program again we're in the pilot phase yeah, okay so we, okay so we're we're trying to do it uh, diligently because we want to make sure the carbon credit that we're generating is accurate mm -hmm. and it is uh, is actually credible and it doesn't you know it's you don't want to sell or putting something on the market out there that goes back to not being you know quite as much yeah. over time because mm -hmm. that has to do not just with uh, the credibility of us as an uh, financial institution, but also our clients where the carbon is generated. Right. So because of that, we need to do it more, more thorough. So yeah. because of that, we're selecting clients that want to work with us based on certain criteria. So, you know, we're looking at, they have to be clients of Rabobank right now. Okay. That's, we're trying to go beyond that in the future. But right now, we want to stay with clients of Rabobank, people that we know. We ask them to put at least a thousand acres okay. through this program. Mm -hmm. We ask them to, we look at operations where they're, they're not as extensive as Russell Hendricks, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. where, where Or Mitchell, that have done this thing for a long time systematically. Yeah. It's okay if you've done it for a long time, as long as you didn't have a system or a, or a, or a more agronomic you know plan in place yeah. okay because we can we can work with that okay. but if the data is going to be hard to quantify the leap into the, the future as much yeah. so mm -hmm. everybody has done some of it to a certain extent yeah. but we can i think where we add to what they've done in the past is that that systematic approach uh and and tailoring per operation of the, the right combination of things that that could take them to the next level then we ask them to make a commitment for three years okay. you know to stay with us we ask them actually to even after the three-year commitment to work with us that they don't change the practices for another two years to ensure that the carbon doesn't get out so and then uh, we're looking primarily at corn and soybean right now but we've actually out of the five pilots that we conducted thus far uh, we actually have a variety of crops that we assess so we we did it with uh, sweet potatoes, we did it in, in North Carolina, we did it with uh, cotton and rice and tobacco, because they're all rotational crops, right? I'm hoping the next wave, which is 
10, about 10 clients, 25,000 acres. Next stage, so we're expanding, we're doubling pretty much okay. in the next stage. I hope we can do a little bit more on uh, cattle grazing, you know, so pasture management. There is a, a great list of regenerative agricultural practices that could be implemented there, and I'd love to us to be the first ones quantifying that. Um, fruit trees, maybe, you know, because nobody has done any work around that. And why, why wouldn't that be? Because I mean, most of these orchards are like five to ten thousand acres, right? So testing certain applications of regenerative agricultural practices for you know a thousand or two thousand acres in a, in an orchard maybe in the citrus would be would be something um, really appeal, appealing to learn from and learn about bottom line what I hope we can do actually with our clients is we can create a model that could expand to other credits so sustain, sustainability credits in general should be uh, applicable to other you know opportunities out there on both the offset side and and uh, and the applicability of those credits towards uh, commitments that that certain you know marketplace have, have made to the to reduce their impact so so you should be able to have a combination of carbon credits water credits you know land management credits maybe social credits combine some kind of a sustainability credit that you can apply it pretty much whatever whatever you need to offset your your emissions or your you know contribution just explain a little bit more about how you're working with uh, continuum ag so they're using that topsoil uh, app i assume and so is there soil testing going on and what's yeah. being measured how often is it being measured is it uh, sensors is it actual physical soil tests that sort of thing so we started with physical soil tests conducted by Continuum Ag and with the data from the soil test being inputted in, in topsoil. Uh, we do have our own uh, data point and data system at Rabo Finance, so we're going to use that one as a repository with data flowing from there to topsoil. So Mitchell can use it in the discussions with uh, with the clients. So uh, Mitchell is uh, is testing some, you know, he's using the Dr. Dr. Haney's test for for carbon. Yeah. So Dr. Haney created a couple of uh, patents on, on two types of sensors that I've seen so far. One of them that measures the active carbon. So what's happening at that point in time in the soil in terms of you know carbon being like captured at that point. So the movement of carbon in, in the soil at that point, and the other one is uh, measuring the the actual uh, stable carbon, so the one that's continuously staying in the ground without necessarily fluctuating all the time. So between the, the two, so he Mitchell is working with Dr. Haney to connect those sensors with uh, with topsoil. So in the future, we'll be able to to add that portion of it. But right now it's uh, basically baseline measurement with uh, soil samples and Dr. Haney's test conducted uh, with, you know, based on the data and your reality on the ground, agronomic advice, the testing would be again repeated at the end of every year. So once a year we go in and measure again the ground and look at the delta between the two and make the adjustments, you know, to see if it's going in the right direction. I mean, there'll be cases where we're probably going to see tremendous, you know, gain. There are going to be cases where we're going to go like, oh, wow, we need to adjust a little more, do certain things, because 
uh, you know, you probably need at least. Uh, that's why the reason why we we ask for commitment for three years is because you need that period of time to draw a conclusion. So those sensors that are sensing the active carbon versus the stable carbon. Is that an infield test, or it's so it's not a lab test? Oh, so that changes things because I mean one of the big problems so far with the carbon markets has been doing the soil testing, having to send it into a lab, right. and doing it with these sensors makes it much more accessible yeah. and more immediate. So yeah. that is an immediate sort of uh, measurement, I assume. It, it is a quicker one, like I said. There is a pattern out there, and I know Mitchell is playing with with those sensors right now okay um i've seen them in the field we, we haven't employed them just yet okay but but it's something that i'm hoping we're gonna be able to migrate to in the future okay. for the the only alternative out there apart from doing tests like Haney's test is to rely on hypothetical satellite imaging which is which is not proven at all, it's all hypothetical science. So we can, and it doesn't, that's what, part of the reason why a lot of our clients haven't signed up with anybody else, it's because, and they sign up with us, is because it, they actually stated that, that the fact that we came and we actually looked at, at the composition of the soil and tried to work with what they have and understand where they're coming from and provided that advice, it was a game changer yeah, for them. They were absolutely. like, I, I don't know, how much I can trust, you know, a satellite flying above my field and knowing how much carbon I have in the ground. It yeah. doesn't make sense, right? right? So, right. I mean, I'm not saying that you couldn't do that at some point. But right now, it's not there. Uh-huh, yeah. That's interesting. And so, is it uh, somebody from your company goes and does the tests? Mitchell. Mitchell does, okay. He's had, he has expanded the team. He's going to continue to do so, mm -hmm. you know. We're going to work with... Mitchell over the next stage, the next pilot, because okay. he has the capacity to do that. We'll, we're going to figure out the solution to, you know, open it up and, and have uh, hopefully a lot of clients going through that. Hopefully prospects too at some point that are necessarily clients of RoboBank that can go through it. Talk about growers who are already doing cover crops or already doing no-till or something. Can they still get involved in your program they, or do they have to implement new practices or what? So I think the hypothetical scenario, or the best case scenario, which everybody had in mind at the beginning, that we're going to go to an operation that has done none of this, mm -hmm. we're going to take him and voila, here comes carbon. Yeah. Uh, it's not a realistic one. I think almost every client, at least our clients that we've talked to, they've all done something. Sure. Either, I mean, either as a trial, or some have implemented things for a long period of time because they've seen the benefit yeah. because it reduces reduce certain certain costs for their operations and so on um, and uh, because of that to a certain degree we always work with clients that have done some of this in the past the question is how much has it been done and how systematic has been that approach so if you You've done for 20 years and you've done no-till cover crops and that's it nothing else for 20 years and you've seen you know almost no i mean you've been able to continue to farm and the yield has been constant but there is no dramatic improvement out there that might be somebody that we want to work with because that means look there might be some tweaks that we can make here that's actually going to help you uh not do it do it as uniform all over the place but you're going to do it in 
different stages or different combinations uh-huh. in different fields and and let's see if that tweak that change will actually move the needle so that's actually a good case right in some cases we've had clients that i mean coming back to the the, the what i just said i think there is over a hundred varieties of cover crops out there i mean how, yeah. Maybe they didn't use the right one. Maybe there is the right combination. I, I was at the National Camel and Beef Association show two weeks ago, I think. And there was a, a company there that was supplying cover crop seeds. And they had them combined, okay? So they had this combination of 20 seeds or 30 seeds in little packages that were called like high country or, you know, pasture land or whatever. Depending on where, and, and I was asking, I asked them and I was like, why would I, why would it, why would not you stay with one, one, one crop? And they said, well, look at the land. If you look at the land and the one that's the healthier, does it have just one type of plant on it? Right. I mean, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. So maybe that's what we need, right? Maybe we need the combination of cover crops that would make more sense. So, all right, the second scenario there where we work with clients is, is where we've had uh, most of our clients in the pilot being uh, is that they've, they've done these practices, but not throughout the entire operation. They've done it, you know, on a 500 acres, 1,000 acres. I've always done it on this farm. You know how it goes. So they acquire land as over time, or they lease land, and that you know that exchanges hands. So, so in some cases, they they've only done it partially. Uh, we try to limit it if they've done it really well mm-hmm. to about 20%. So we can focus on the other 80%. Mm-hmm. That what we found is that in most cases it's been limited and not necessarily uh, not necessarily systematic with a systematic approach so are you actually selling these credits into the marketplace or is that the intention at least <laughs> so so we call it carbon bank for a reason because uh-huh. it's a it's a bank I mean you can bank on them right uh-huh. you don't have to you don't have to sell them right oh, away okay. uh-huh. you can sit on you can you can create a certain pool of credits that could be applied to various purposes where it's needed the most okay. yes the, we always have the option to sell them right away um, and we're probably going to do that for a certain amount of credits pair those credits up with some of the financial packages that we have for our wholesale clients so the large corporation like the producers and, and retailers uh-huh. right we can also take those credits and and apply them to offset some of our commitments that we made in the past and so so that's part of the reason, I mean, that's probably the main reason why we called it the bank, carbon bank, because it, it's it's a currency that you should be able to use in, in different forms and fashion, although depending on, on, on the business conditions and where the need is the most. Compensating farmers for these credits? Okay, tell me about that. Uh, we estimate a through what Mitchell provides, the baseline and you know the agronomic advice and how much the clients decide to follow that advice we estimate a certain certain amount of, uh, of uh, potential carbon that will be captured over a period of time mm-hmm. we pay clients with some of that money up front and then we do uh, a measurement every year okay. so every year they'll get an upfront payment and then at the end of three years we we'll draw the line look at the whole entire you know horizon and then figure out where the balance is and i'm hoping that so we're aiming for you know what everybody's 
holy grail out there is, which is one carbon credit an acre, but I'm really hoping that we're going to go well beyond that. So what sort of a payment, let's just say some, they get a, they have one carbon credit per acre, how much of a payment would they be so the, Well, we're trying to stay where the market is right now, which is around $20 an acre. Okay. Um, and we're providing 50% of that up front. And then they do these practices for the for the year, then you for measure the year, again? For the year, then we measure again. Mm -hmm. And then we look at, you know, kind of like how much would they, yeah. uh, would, they, would they quantify in terms of credit. Then we adjust again the economic advice, yeah. make sure that, you know, next planting season, we, we make adjustments and take it to the next level. Yeah. What uh, we give them backwards? Yeah, we... <laughs> That's uh, that's basically uh, if they go backwards, that's an opportunity for us to adjust and okay. have, have a discussion with Mitchell, with their agronomist, with the client itself to see can we do things better next time. So we're not going to go back and ask for it. It's a pilot for that reason, yeah. and we're going to continue to be in this pilot phase, like I said, for another season. Okay. So we're looking at maybe 2022 to have a. Uh, offering out there and the offering might look a little different than what we're doing right now but for the pilot phase that's how we're that's how we're uh, we're operating if somebody wants to get involved is this they, like nationwide uh, it will be nationwide right yeah. now like i said it's that's a pilot right. phase yeah. um and it's clients only okay 2022 2022 i'm hoping you know we're gonna make a big splash out yeah. of it but this is so far what we've seen it's exciting stuff works you know we're on the right track we can do amazing stuff here. Thanks to Ben Gordon, Lisa Streck, and Christian Barkan for sharing their insights into the emerging carbon marketplace. To listen to more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies, please visit notillfarmer.com forward slash podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, The Andersons, for helping to make this No-Till Farmer podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at jgerlock at lessetermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2404. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Play Store to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our no-till insider daily and weekly email updates and Dryland No-Tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with Farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R -R, and our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Executive Editor Julia Gerlach. Thanks for tuning in.